Hello and welcome to Brainwaves episode 39, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. I'm Jamie Adams. And I'm Ian McAllister, and I've got exciting plans for a convention, Jamie. What do you think? I mean, I thought we'd hire maybe the Royal Concert Hall in Edinburgh, you know, maybe, uh, or maybe the Lyceum Theatre. I think we might need a bigger venue, actually. Maybe Murrayfield? Like a really sort of Ian, big, Ian, big, Ian, big area. Ian, Ian, the cast is, what, we're about a year and a half old now. And you're immediately thinking of a convention? What are you thinking? A load of tables and just everyone else will sort it out themselves? I mean, if it works for Glasgow Games Festival. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought something like that. But I think we can definitely get a larger group of people in. Oh, well, uh, um, our convention correspondent's back uh, from Essen. Uh, hello, Mark. Mark, uh, Mark Cook's here. Um, uh, I do have... Pull up a seat, Mark. We're just talking about our uh, plans for a big, sort of huge, sort of Murrayfield-style convention. Really, really large. What do you? You can see some of the plans here. What do you think? Yeah, I think you just go for it. Really, isn't it? It's uh, it is just chucking a load of tables in a room. Um, see who turns up. Th- thank you, that's, thank you. See, that's what I said. Yeah, I think that's what they do at Essen. You know, it's just a bigger room, a much, much bigger room. How was Essen? As busy, yeah. Uh, I um, I got to meet lots of lovely people, and I bought lots of games. So it's always good. Saw lots of new games. Uh, as you do at Essen, so it's Essen is Essen. It's its own thing. And when you're not out in the world uh, reporting for the giant brain, you're also running the Aircon convention down in Harrogate, aren't you? I do, yeah. So yeah, so it's coming up in March uh, next year. Uh, we are a growing convention, but more focused on playing games uh, rather than Essen is a big fair of commercial buying games. So it's kind of a different kind of vibe. Fantastic. And how many sort of people do you are you expecting in 2020? So you've been growing quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. So we the first one was in my house. As I said, I just invited a bunch of people <laughs> around, and we had about 25 people there. Uh, we're expecting about 2,800 individuals next year, which will be about 5,500 footfall. Wow, that is some <laughs> growth. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, we just wish we'd moved it out of my house, because it's getting a bit crowded. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you have a really big house? You, do you live in a sort of mansion down in Harrogate? No, I just keep putting uh, extensions on the back of the house. It's uh, it's fine. Ah, nice. The sort of extension where you have to hide it behind hay bales, or yeah, yeah, you know, just it's just a, an extended log storage place. That you know, that's how I get away with. That's how you get away with the planning. So. Sounds rustic. <laughs> it is. It's uh, definitely a bring a jumper kind of event. We haven't got that many heaters, and with that much wood lying around, it's probably quite dangerous. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I'm going to be down at Aircon myself next year, so I will definitely bring some jumpers. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the cast this week, and uh, yeah, let's get to it. These are the headlines for the week of the 25th of November, 2019. The industry distances itself from designer after abuse allegations. Combat commander and dominant species designer passes. And Magic the Gathering joins the greats in the Toy Hall of Fame. All this and more on this brand spanking new episode of Brainwaves. So at the top of the headlines this week, we have a, abuse allegations that have rocked the board game industry. Allegations of physical, sexual and emotional abuse have been made against board game designer J.R. Honeycutt by Victoria Mann of Board Game Solutions involving a relationship they had whilst Honeycutt was still married and events that transpired during and after they called it off. 
Honeycutt replied in a now-deleted post accepting some of the incidents that Manor alleged, but denied any of the abuse allegations. Waitress Games, that's Honeycutt's company, is going to stop operating, and a number of board game studios and designers have publicly cut ties, including Restoration Games, Eric Lang, Pandasaurus Games, and the Indie Game Alliance alongside Rob Davio as well, I think. We reached out to Victoria to ask for permission to link to her original article that appeared on Medium, and she also recommended a post by Fundamentals, which we will link both of those in the show notes. We'd advise there's a content warning in there for the... uh, for the sexual and emotional abuse allegations that are in there. There's quite a lot of heavy stuff, so read with caution. Uh, and we'd just like to have a wee chat about highlighting why conventions and any gathering of games really should have anti-harassment policies in place as it can help deal with these kind of allegations when they arise. Mark, do you have something in place like that for Aircon? Yeah, so we actually, someone, we consulted someone, um, Esther McVeigh, and she was really helpful in helping us put together one. We had a, a basic one when we first started, um, but as obviously as you grow, there's more risk and more things. So I think sure. it's important, um, once you've written it, to revisit it every year, which is what we do. We go back and look at it, and is this still fit for purpose? Do all the volunteers that we have, because we have about 50 volunteers, do they all know what to do if, if something does come up? Um, yeah. And just if, is there anything else we can do to help people uh, feel safe and feel like they can bring things up if it happens? Thankfully, we've not had anything you know big, oh, n- nothing certainly of this scale. Um, but we hope that just having a strong policy in the in the first place means that it's pre- preventative that people know that we're going to deal with stuff. So it's yeah, very of important. course, yeah, yeah. Putting mm-hmm. it out there that you have that policy in place is like yeah. a warning to those who might try something. Yeah. Yeah, and then we can we actually use our ticketing system for everybody that's pre-booked. We send them all an email beforehand with this, you know, just the week before reminding everyone this is what it is. So it's not just hidden away on our website. It's like it's great more kind of being proactive about putting it out there. Yeah, I really like that idea. That's great. Mm-hmm. Hi, this is Ian from the editing suite. I'd just like to add a wee correction to that last piece. Mark mentioned that he consulted with Esther McVeigh, who is actually a politician. What he meant to say was he consulted with a lady called Esther McCallum-Stewart, and we will link to her profile in the show notes. Thank you. It is my sad duty today to report that Chad Jensen, the board game designer predominantly known for his wargaming work with GMT Games, has died aged 52. Chad uh, designed the influential Combat Commander series, which started with Combat Commander Europe in 2006, as well as designing games such as the very highly regarded Dominant Species in 2010, the most recent expansion of which, Dominant Species Marine, uh, is or was out this year. He was given a diagnosis of late-stage cancer in May, and... I have to say the community rallied around him. There was a crowdfunding campaign to help with his medical expenses, but sadly it was not to be. His his partner and co-designer Kai said, 52 laps of the sun and then off to the stars. Our thoughts are with the family at this time and he's a great loss for the community. So we've started with a couple of tough pieces of news, but now let's go on to something a little bit lighter. Uh, Mark, you've got some news from the National Toy Hall of Fame in the USA. Indeed. Um, so they have chosen Magic the Gathering from 12 finalists. Uh, three of them have made it into their National Toy Hall of Fame, and Magic the Gathering was one of those three. Um, the curator, Shannon Simmons, said, Magic the Gathering changed the landscape of collectible card gaming, and it's become a part of pop culture. 
leading to book series, electronic games, and even a series on Netflix. The fact that it continues to maintain popularity is a testament to its revolutionary gameplay and constant evolution, making it engaging for beginners and experts alike. The other finalists were Matchbox Cars and The Colouring Book, which both made it in. There was also Care Bears, Jenga, Masters of the Universe, My Little Pony, Nerf Guns, and Risk, which didn't make it in this time. I I believe there was also the smartphone and the top, which I assume is the spinning top. I hope it's the spinning um, top. Yeah, I hope so, because I don't know what other kind of top, unless it's like a t-shirt, but I don't know if that's a toy. Smartphone seems like a funny thing to go into Toy Hall of Fame, anyway. Yeah, Yeah. I was... I wonder if they mean something else by that. That does seem like a weird. No, I think thing. I think it's probably a smartphone. It's become very, I don't want to say ingrained because that sounds possibly a negative thing, but it's become uh, very ingrained in culture for for several ages. You know, the age at which people are getting True. phones now is has dropped. There's people I see at mm-hmm. where I work who are you know seven or eight and they have phones, and I go, interesting. Well, uh, moving on from the headlines, let's get into the news. We're going to stay with Magic the Gathering for a little bit right now, as at Magic the Gathering Mythic Championship 6, the Magic player Autumn Burchett has been asked by Wizards of the Coast to remove cards from their deck, which they marked to promote trans rights. Now... It's important because Burchett uh, said they were asked by Wizards themselves, Wizards uh, of the Coast owns Magic the Gathering, not the championship judge to remove them because they were altered and they said there was no explanation given. Now, there are rules uh, in for sanctioned Magic the Gathering tournaments that allow artistically altered cards. The rule is... Artistic modifications are acceptable in sanctioned tournaments, provided that the modifications do not make the card art unrecognisable, contain substantial strategic advice, or contain offensive images. Artistic modifications also may not obstruct or change the mana cost or the name of the card. And I believe it is the latter point that wizards seem to be operating under. There has been some consternation because there has been... Previous in previous Magic tournaments, there has been uh, players who have altered cards to support, for example, the protests in Hong Kong, and were lauded for it. So I, there might be a little bit of contention there. However, on November the 9th, there was a compromise struck between Burchett and Wizards of the Coast, which allowed Burchett to alter different basic land cards that didn't obstruct the mana base or name on the card. So. The political point can be made, and they can still keep playing. Better than Blizzard did with their, all their compromises over Hong Kong protesters. Uh, if you've ever uh, never looked at the uh, Magic the Gathering alternate art scene, I do suggest that you do, because there is some absolutely amazing stuff out there. Some really, really clever alterations of cards, like extending art down into the card, because that's perfectly legal and that kind of thing. Just fun, some fantastic artists out there. And interesting to see those rules used to sort of support different causes well from one company making a lot of money and wizards to another company making a lot of money that also involves wizards ian i believe you have some news out of nottingham and games workshop 
Yes, Games Workshop, maker of many, many miniature games, including Warhammer and Warhammer 40k, have seen profits and sales soar in the six months to December. Profit before tax will rise 35% and won't be less than 55 million. Their share price has risen about 17.3% on the news of these profits. GW is estimating sales of around 140 million at least from June to December, 12% increase. Uh, investment director and investment platform AJ Bell, Ross Mould, says Games Workshop's niche focus on gaming miniatures has helped it survive the high street turmoil hitting retailers. Great news for Games Workshop. They've been doing a really good job over the last few years, bringing back, I think we've talked about this on the cast before, bringing back things like Blood Bowl, Necromunda, appealing to more of the sort of niche products in their collections. Warcry seems to have been extremely successful for them as well. And they have recently just announced that they are going to be bringing the old world back. So if you're not familiar, the old world is basically the original Warhammer fantasy setting where Warhammer fantasy roleplay and their original battle games happened in. And they basically exploded that world a few years ago, literally, and uh, created the Age of Sigmar game, which is sort of a, a new version of Warhammer, but set in a new setting called, it, called it was Age a, of Sigmar. It's a continuation somewhat of it kind of sort of hard to tell sometimes i think but that's another that's another rant altogether <laughs> uh, but yeah so they're applying to bring that back in a few years time in a sort of like the way the Hor- horus heresy game is to 40k i guess in that way do you play any sort of games workshop games mark uh not anymore it was definitely how i kind of cut my teeth when i was done at college and played those original sort of 40, well probably not the original 40k games but certainly uh early versions of them so and i was i was at GW a couple of years ago went there and it was it's just an amazing place to go see their visitor center and everything and see all the lore and these big dioramas that they have it's it's pretty crazy and we got to meet the um, I don't know who he was some <laughs> some big guy there uh, he was telling us you know the decision about changing the names of the shops to the Warhammer shop yes yeah uh, and it, uh, he said basically it was all based on around because a lot of GW players uh, it'll be their parents that buy stuff for them. And so, mm. and they could never remember the name Games Workshop. They would always just say, "Where's the Warhammer shop?" And that's yeah, that was kind of behind their reasoning. So that was quite interesting. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I've heard that before. It's a really savvy piece of uh, name changing. It re- it's really quite smart. Yeah. So, so Jamie, from the old world to the new, and new technologies allowing us to play games in different ways. I believe Amazon Alexa is going to choo choo down the line. Oh, I have two pieces of technology news for you. I'm going to start with the one you just alluded to very, very subtly. It was lovely, i got to say. Days of I'm Wonder. A professional. I know you're a professional. Days of Wonder, that wonderful company, has announced a partnership with Amazon to allow their voice assistant, Amazon Alexa, to teach, moderate, and play Ticket to Ride and Ticket to Ride Europe. Now, Alexa will help teach the game, which includes setup and score moderation throughout which also includes the longest route, so you don't need to spend a bit of time going, right, one, two, three, four, five, never mind. Uh, It will also play thematic sound effects and music during the game, if you feel that might add to the (laughs) ambiance of being railroad barons. (laughs) (laughs) If you're also playing with less than five people, Alexa can join in as another player. Now, of course, if you, dear listener, are listening to this in your house on speakers out loud, it would, and you have an Amazon Alexa, it would be very cruel of me to say something like, Alexa, play the game Ticket to Ride. That would be cruel. That'd be cruel. And, and if, you know, I don't want to, I'm going to speak as a cynic for a second. I think this idea, this, you know, 
using something like Alexa to teach, to moderate, to join in as well, the idea is something that Dized have been trying to do for a while now. But, you know, Amazon has a frankly ridiculous amount of money, and Days of Wonder has a great deal of clout in the industry. So I'm kind of not surprised that they've cut the middleman out and forged ahead with this. And it's probably the first of many that we're going to see. Yeah, I can see this happening a lot more down the line. If this is successful, if this works, and I'd really, I don't have an Alexa myself, but I'd really like to try this. I've got friends that do, so I have to find a copy of Ticket to Ride and then try it. But yeah, really interesting development. And like you say, DICE has been trying to do this kind of thing for the last few years, and we were quite enthusiastic about dice but they do seem to kind of dropped off the face of the planet a little bit and they don't seem to really be bringing what they said they'd bring to market to market so i uh, yeah i think that they have basically died off you said you had two bits of news for us jamie what's the second i do i do uh sorry it's a bit like train there now i wonder if several years ago you remember a company called niantic released a game called pokemon go never heard of it Nope, not never. Um, they also released a game called Harry Potter Wizards Unite. That that apparently existed. Um, but Niantic has now announced that they're going to bring bringing out a new game. And why, Jamie, are you saying this on a board game podcast? Well, it's a very good question, non-existent uh, other Jamie. They have partnered with the company Catan, formerly Settlers of Catan, to bring out Catan World Explorers, an augmented reality game bringing the world of Catan to our world via the medium of our smartphones. Players will collect Catan resources throughout the world, with some regions having more resources than others, meaning players will have to, surprise surprise for Catan, trade. To quote from Catan World Explorer's page, you'll bargain with entertaining in-game characters who are just as strategic as real-life ones. Now roads and settlements will be built, victory points will be gained, and you'll join a team, possibly similar to Pokemon Go's teams, to compete globally or in personal matches with friends. Now, the game was teased by Catan itself in October, but the connection with Niantic was not, you know, released or made uh, public until late November, about the time this uh, cast was being recorded, actually. Let me get this straight. This game is going to encourage you to go up to strangers and ask them for wood. <laughs> Have I got that right? <laughs> or ask them if they've got wood for your sheep. Hey, yeah. I don't. I think it might be you have to click on other virtual people who will be able to virtually trade. This but but sounds but kind of mad. I mean, either uh, yes, and at the same time, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I wonder if it'll be because if you've played the app version of Catan, there's these helpful people in that. And they're kind of, uh, they're a little bit annoying. Okay. They're kind of they pop up every now and again, and you play against them and things like that. They actually made them into I think it's called the Friends of Catan, like a little mini expansion for Catan that was like this deck that just gave you special powers. But oh, right. okay, maybe it's, maybe it's those guys. There's about twelve of them. You know what? I wouldn't put it past it. They're like yeah. Clippy. Ah, oh, I see you're trying to build the longest road. How can I help? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't see where the game is right now. Like, if the point is you are basically turning the whole world into a Catan board, like, you know, building roads and stuff, that's fine. But say I build a road outside my house. Is that just for me or is that for everyone else on my team? But what if there's more than one person on my team living in the same area and we want to build a road there? Does it just get a better road or is it just one road and everyone goes, nope, that's it. It's all done. 
Well, you'll have to just have to give it a shot when it comes out, Jamie. I'll need to get a smartphone then. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll give it a shot when it comes out there. Yes, I live in 1999, ladies and gentlemen. Well, going from the world through your smartphone to the world, uh, sort of, through your video screen. Ian, I believe you have some news from Rebellion. Yes, Rebellion, the company behind Sniper Elite, Strange Brigade and Evil Genius video games, as well as the 2080 comics, has announced a spin-off arm called Rebellion Unplugged, which is going to produce board games and collectibles based on their IPs. Already announced is a Sniper Elite board game. This is going to be available to play at PAX Unplugged uh, before Kickstarter next year. So yeah, uh, interesting to see a computer game company actually form a fully fledged arm of its business to put out some board games rather than getting someone like Fancy Flight or Wizards to produce games for them. Do you think we're going to see more of this kind of thing, guys? More computer game companies creating in-house wings for board games as the industry grows? Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, we had the thing with Mechs versus Minions already. Yeah, of course, yeah. That was kind of that. And, you know, if it's... These these guys already have all game theory and everything mm. in house. Like, why wouldn't they just turn it to, you know, to analog stuff rather than digital stuff? Anyway, Mark, we've been uh, carrying out some experiments recently in the sort of bowels of the building. So, if you'd just like to to come downstairs, we'd just like to um, get your thoughts, so so to speak, uh, through our, our new uh, thinking cap uh, downstairs. So yeah, if you just put this on your head, and Jamie, if you put that on your head, and I'll put this on my head. Ow, 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 ow. Okay, I'm fine. Yeah, I need to, I, I need to sort that bit out. Yeah, it's uncomfortable to say the least. Oh, you might need to shave your head afterwards. The sort of gluey stuff gets a bit sort oh, of you say that? there. No, fine, okay. Thinking gap activated. Yeah, so this allows us to share our thoughts, ask questions, and share our experiences. So, um... Jamie and I thought we'd share our experiences of the Glasgow Games Festival we were at recently. It's a small convention uh, in Glasgow. And uh, so if we concentrate really hard, if we think really hard together, we can sort of experience that together. And uh, I we had we had a great time there, didn't we, Jamie? It was f- fantastic. And of course, Mark can now see the images of us playing these games and being at Glasgow Games Festival. Yeah, it was great. I had a, had a really good time. Got to see um, a number of people. Got a good sit down, good nice chat. And... Yeah, just had a good day. I played. I, I mean, I only played four games over a period of about ten hours. But you know what? It's good fun. Yeah, just it was good to see people and see the folks from the Unlucky Frog and various others through there. Uh, and it got me thinking a little bit. And I'd like to sort of probe your mind now, Mark, about sort of conventions and how you go about putting together a convention. Like what we were sort of like you. You sort of you alluded to earlier in the cast that you started out basically just in your house what made you want to take that experience and do aircon for like it turn it into like a yeah, big convention well, it was we had no great ambitions when we started so uh i did my house one um and in that time i'd, I'd kind of gone to games expo mm-hmm. came back from games expo this was a few years ago now probably 2014 ish came back and just looked around for what other things there were that uh we could go to and there wasn't really anything at the time other than the kind of these small sort of very insular cons where it's just the same people go every year, which, you know, is, is yeah. great. Like, um, those guys do really well. They don't have to do any advertising or anything like that. But there wasn't anything no. else, really, certainly not up here in, in Leeds. So I just said to my friend, who had also gone to Games Expo, and we just had such a brilliant time there, and we said, 
shall we just start something ourselves and see what happens? And there was no kind of great ambition. It was just have a go. And so we did. <laughs> and it just kind of grew from there, really. Uh, and so it was, I kind of mentioned earlier a bit about Essen as well. Like Essen is awesome, obviously. It's and you go and it's yeah. huge and it's spectacular. And um, But it's not my kind of convention. And if, if, um, if I didn't have to go because of work, I probably wouldn't. I think everyone should go probably once just to see it because it is amazing you know like they, they think they had about two hundred thousand people going this year wow. um, but i found when i went a few years ago i hardly played any games it was really hard to get into games it was all just about the buying and the kind of you know yeah it was that kind of side of things so i've been to games expo had a brilliant time playing games went to essen had not such a good time even though i was among thousands of games so that kind of shaped what we wanted aircon to be and so we decided to make it a gaming focus like playing game focus but we still have some of the yeah. trade stuff and some special events and a bunch of other stuff going on as well um but the the, the vibe is very much more kind of a bit calmer <laughs> a bit more chilled out and uh, so that's how we decided to do it but i think there's there's quite a few now that have popped up over the last few years um where people have just had the same sort of thing of just let's have a go and do our own thing and and see how it goes so it's have there been any sort of problems you've had with growing the convention over, over, over the last few years from, from 25 people to <laughs> however many thousand it is now? Yeah, I guess uh, because we've seen like quite big growth every year, it's about 40% every year we've been growing. Um, it's not like you can just do the same thing twice. Like We, we can't just get used to being in one place. Uh, we, we made the decision quite early on. We, we had done a couple in a, in a church hall um, near, near where we worked. And then, but then we made the decision to actually go into a big convention center, um, which was a, a big step. <laughs> and suddenly, our hall costs went from one hundred pounds to ten thousand pounds, and uh, <laughs> and have gone up every year since. Uh, but we wanted somewhere where we knew we could grow into, but it still had the the kind of spaces, and that's why we actually moved to Harrogate rather than Leeds, which is where we live, or Bradford, where we worked at the time. And so that was the that's one of the biggest challenges for us is just how do we predict the growth and not completely overspend so that we go bust <laughs> um, and these kinds of things. Uh, but it's, you know, it's it, there's four of us now that are kind of on the team, plus we have some other people that are kind of regular super volunteers, I guess. Uh, we have someone that runs our volunteer team and she's awesome. She's just literally just had a baby about two months ago, three months ago, and she's still on it, still wants to come back in March and, and, and run the <laughs> wow. volunteers. So, so you know, that the, the gaming community is certainly uh, really helpful. Like, we have all these people that come and help us and uh, have been really supportive. Um, so I think that's the biggest challenge, though, that, like I said, is just trying to anticipate that growth um, and how we how we manage that, really. Yeah. Um, if 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 anyone out in the 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 podcast sphere is listening to this and might and might be thinking, oh, you know, I want to create my own convention, uh, you know, even if it's a small thing, getting you know, a big group of people, what would you say to someone? Just you know, with with your experience, what would you say to them? Yeah, uh, so the the most useful thing we did actually was <laughs> we did quite an extensive bit of research before we started anything, and this is why we just went and visited a bunch of local gaming groups met loads of people and just spoke to them and said, you know, what kind of thing do you want? And just heard from other people before we started anything. Uh, we then spent a whole weekend just going around venue after venue. We, we saw about 30 different venues, something like that, that was whittled down from a list of about 150. And we had all these criteria and, and things like that, uh, you know, ease of accessibility and 
and uh, just a bunch of stuff. So I think that that kind of planning and that that research is is really helpful. Uh, but at the same time, I'd just say you know, like our first couple, like I said, my first one was in my house. <laughs> uh, after that, it was in this church hall, so we couldn't actually do the convention on Sunday. So it was a Friday and Saturday convention, which was kind of funny. <laughs> but then as we moved into the convention center, it's become three days. And now we're talking about whether we make it four days wow. because people love gaming. They so, do. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's you know just do your research and and just have a go. Like so there's gamers everywhere. Yeah, I remember talking to David Wright about Tabletop Scotland when he was setting up the first one, and I think it it took them ages to sort of identify their the place in Perth they're in now because they've been they've been around yeah. so many different places, like looking in Edinburgh and Glasgow, and the costs obviously in Edinburgh and Glasgow are astronomical for hire and sort of Perth worked out quite well because it's kind of in the middle and it's relatively easy to get to from Edinburgh and Glasgow and yeah so that, yeah, that, yeah. that worked out pretty well but yeah they, they did a lot of research Dave's very meticulous I've seen his his color I've seen his <laughs> color coordinated planning charts and and all sorts and it's it's quite extensive the amount of work he does for Tabletop Scones and yeah it's it's worked it's worked out really yeah. well Tabletop Scones being a great addition yeah. to the the con scene yeah and I guess that'd be another bit of advice like do it because you love mm. it or love kind of putting on an event. Don't do it to try and make a job out of it or to try and make a living or become a millionaire. It's not going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I think I, I know the Games Expo guys quite well, obviously, and I think it took them something like nine years before they could pay either of them a salary. Yeah, I think it's um, only in the last two, three years they've gone full time on that, pretty much. Yeah. yeah from, from, from what I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember when it was in a tiny Masonic hall in the middle of Birmingham. I, I remember going to a UK Games Expo in a Masonic Hall, and it was in there for a couple of years. That was a strange place, but yeah. it was good. But it was it was quite strange. And then, yeah. yeah, yeah. So for us, it's almost like we have a second job, really. Like we we all have full time jobs, and then we have this this on the side because it just never stops. Um, <laughs> but it's good. We love yeah, it. I'm looking so. forward to coming down to next year. I've been meaning to come to it for the last couple of years, and it's just not quite worked out. But yeah, I'll I'll definitely be down in 2020. Awesome. So that should be good fun. Well, thanks very much for taking the time to sit in our chairs, Mark, and answer some questions. Thinking cap deactivated. Can I take this off? Uh, I guess so. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. You can. You're the guest. I unfortunately cannot. Yeah. Well, you can take off, Jamie, but the hair is coming with it. But my hair, my source of power. It's an experimental glue solution I'm using. What's it made of? Is it interns? Look, you've got to use those bodies for something, right? Moving on. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> Definitely not murdered any interns and turn them into glue. That'd be crazy. Oh, it's the end of the podcast, end of the podcast, and it wouldn't be the end of the podcast without some Monopoly news. Oh, yeah. Get off the mic. It's my what? turn. What? No, Ian, 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 Ian. Ow, you, my source I'm, of power! <sighs> Enough Monopoly news, folks. It's time for the news you all really want. It's time for Cluedo news. Yes, that's right. It's Cluedo D&D is back, exchanging the traditional Tudor mansion for the iconic Baldur's Gate. An adventurer from the party, i.e. players, has been secretly killed and replaced by a minion of the archdevil Zariel. <laughs> the aim is to find out where, who, and with what, because it's Cluedo, or Clue if you're in America. The weapons will be Greatsword, Demon Longbow, Silver Claw, Mastercraft Scimitar, Horn of Blasting, <laughs> or Sensor of Remembrance. Is that a big candle? 
Uh, like no, big... I believe I, be- I believe the sensor is. Sorry, jumping back on the the mic here. Yeah, the sensor is like the thing you see priests swinging in. Oh, okay, right. Catholic churches. Little Callum Shan, the docks and Basilisk Gate will take the place of billiard room, kitchen, and the lounge. And there was a previous D D version, D uh, D version of Clue in two thousand and one, but this is following in the wake of the D D resurgence, of course, started by fifth edition and things like Critical Role. Just before we go. Quick shout out to our executive producers, the Lucky Spyro Gaming Cafe, and to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so very much. Uh, you have no idea how amazed this bearded and now hairless idiot is that you like listening to us, and thank you very much from the bottom of our hearts. Um, also, another huge shout out to James Naylor and the team at, for Magnate, the first city. It has just gone up on Kickstarter as of the Day of recording. He was on our last podcast. I think you should go and back it. I played it for the first time at Glasgow Games Festival. It's a good game. It's a very good game. And I won. Yes, he did win. And it's fully funded. And James will be knocking down the stretch goals soon. So congratulations to James and the team. Mark, thank you so much for coming back from Essen and reporting back and giving us some convention tips. Thanks for joining us on the cast this week. We'll have to push you back out into the world. What convention are you going to next? Um, I'm actually going to a very small one, a bit secret. It's called Gearstones out in the middle of the Yorkshire Dales. So uh, so that's going to be exciting. Just a bunch of people in a barn playing games. Awesome. And if people want to find yourself and find out about Aircon, where can they go on the internet? Uh, so the best place, uh, the website is aircon.uk. That's air with an E, so A-I-R-E-C-O-N.uk. And on the big three social medias as Aircon UK as well. Fantastic. And there'll be loads of people down there next year, including myself. So hope to see some of you there, listeners. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much for listening, everyone. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rain on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, just search for The Giant Brain. Our website is giantbrain.co.uk. And you can get in touch with us via email at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye.